Good morning and welcome. We are in a series in the Psalms talking about our emotions. David in the Psalms, David especially expressed the full range of the human emotions that we all experience. And he does it in such an honest and raw and beautiful way that doesn't leave us in our emotions, but takes us there and acknowledges them and then moves us to where God is and how he dwells there. Emotions make great servants. They make terrible masters. They don't get to drive the car. I heard read once where we're going to talk about fear this morning. The fear doesn't get to drive the car. It can sit in the, in the next seat to you and maybe alert you to things, but it doesn't get to drive. And we're going to talk about that this morning. Week one, Ryan talked about sadness, and last week Mark talked about joy. They're excellent um, sermons about those emotions. I hope you go back and listen to them if you didn't get a chance to hear them. But this morning we're going to talk about fear. I probably don't have to make a case for the fact that we all feel fear. A recent statistic said about 40 million of us in the U.S. have been diagnosed with official anxiety issues. And that um, they did a recent uh, poll, a study on the generations from Gen Z, which are people that are currently in high school and college, all the way up through builders that are older than the boomers. And of all those generations, they all are beginning to fear more and be anxious more about our health and our safety and our future and our finances. But Gen Z, the ones that are in high school and college, suffer from that even more than any other generation. So anxiety is rising in our country, and it's rising in us, so what do we do about it? We're going to talk about that this morning. I want you to picture in your mind, you're at your house or your apartment, wherever you live, and as you walk outside in the morning to go to school or work, you see this guy coming towards you. It's a giant grizzly bear. He's pretty awesome, isn't he? Um, You see him coming at you. What do you think you're going to do? Well, I can tell you what your brain does. It goes to two, the alert goes to two different places in your brain. One is your cortex, your prefrontal cortex. The other is your amygdala. And your amygdala actually goes into action faster than your cortex can go. And it says a message to your hypothalamus. It says, we need to send out adrenaline and cortisol to get this body ready to face this danger. And so your heart starts pumping and your blood starts rushing through your body, and your muscles tense, and you probably make a fist, and you crouch, and you're ready, and maybe you're sweating, and your mouth goes dry, and all of those things that we feel when we're fear, and we are ready to face this bear that's coming at us. And we tend to have three reactions in that, because then our cortex will kick in. So the first one would be maybe fear, uh, freeze. Your first reaction is to freeze. And then your reaction is, do I run away or do I fight? Should I move this away? I know I'm pushing a, yeah, you're hearing all my, all my P's and B's there. Um, so we tend to either want to run away or we want to fight. But when I looked up what you do with a grizzly bear, you shouldn't run away or fight. 
The first is pepper spray, but if I'm going to work, I don't have pepper spray on me to create a cloud of pepper spray between me and the bear. The next one is to slowly, calmly back away from the bear and hope he doesn't notice you. If he does notice you and come at you, you are to play dead in the fetal position to protect your stomach and your face. Danielle and um, Brad Virus went camping, and they were telling me they saw black bears. And I was like, what did you do with the black bear? And they said, you clap at it. They don't like clapping, and they take off. I, I don't think this guy is intimidated by clapping. So, so that's your, so, and then the last thing, if the plane dead doesn't work and the bear is still coming at you, you either punch it in the nose or the eyes. I'm not sure I could do all that. But that's what fear is. Fear is an immediate response to a specific threatening stimulus. Let's say the next day, the, the, the bear's taken care of. You call animal control. In my mind, they put him back on the circus train, and it goes to the next town where he had escaped from. But you go out the next day to get in your car, and your body immediately kicks in, right? Again the heart racing, the pumping. And then the prefrontal cortex has got to take over and say, wait, 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 the bear's not here. But you are anticipating that threat. Again, that's anxiety. It's the anticipation of impending danger and dread. So we fight fear, and we have genuine things in our lives to be afraid of, whether it's a diagnosis that scares us, a relationship we're afraid is going to fall apart, or if it's a financial issue, how are we going to pay our bills, or it's a child that you're worried about. We have real fears that we face, but we also have anxieties that we face. You see, our body, that amygdala, with other parts of your brain, creates memories. It creates fear memories, and sometimes it can create them to the point where we, fears that are not things we need to be afraid of anymore are we're afraid of. And we start dealing with anxiety. So what do we do with that? How do we handle that? Why did God give us fear? Why on earth did he put that in our, our lives? Well, the first thing is it protects us. We have to have fear in our lives. When we see a giant grizzly bear coming at us in the parking lot, we should be afraid. We should remember what to do. Our body should get ready to handle it. And then our cortex kicks in and tells us what to do. We should be afraid. If you got a diagnosis, it's, it's, a, it's a fear. If, if you have a bill you can't pay, it's a fear. It, it protects us and gets us into gear to do something about it. The other reason is we have the ability to remember what happened before and then project that that may happen again in the future which is a beautiful thing when it's a good memory and you're projecting this hope into the future. But if it's fear, it comes along with that ability to then project. And then people like my husband who are in insurance and have risk management jobs, it's good that they remember this is what happened in the fire last time, so we need to make sure this building has this next time. It's a blessing. And also, it's part of having an imagination. We can imagine beautiful, wonderful things, but we can imagine scary things too. So with the, the gift comes the hard part, 
the challenge. What do we do with this fear that's part of who we are, that's part of how God created us, and is really part of the good, but how do we tell it, you may not drive this car. You need to sit in the back seat. You need to be ordered in the correct order of where you belong. Now, I want to talk, when we're talking this morning, we acknowledge here at Horizon that we are body, mind, and spirit. So when I'm talking this morning, I'm talking about kind of how do we handle it as far as our spirit? How do we handle it with our relationship with God? What do we do with fear then? But we are big proponents of professional help. If it's a chemical issue where you need medicine or it's a counseling issue where you need counseling, we are all for it because we realize it's all connected. So when I talk this morning about this, how we're going to handle it with God, that is part of all that big process. And also there is a fear that can come at us from outside of us, like a spiritual attack fear. I don't know if you've ever experienced that where you're fine, but all of a sudden this fear comes at you. You're like, where did that come from? That, again, is a little bit different topic than we're going to talk about tonight. I figured I can't, I can't tackle all of it. So we're going to talk about fears that we face and how to take them to God and how to handle them, how to get them to sit in the back seat. And the way we're going to do that is we're going to look at Psalm 56, which is a psalm written by David. And I just wanted to, it says to the choir master, according to the dove on far off terebinths. That's the name of the tune that you were to sing it to. I love these things at the beginning of the psalm because it makes it real to me that this was a real song that a real person wrote. And that's the tune that you're supposed to sing it to. But this, he wrote this when David was, the Philistines seized him in Gath. There's a story written about it in scripture do you remember David was anointed as a, a young guy? Samuel came and said, you're going to be king. He was probably in, in 15, 16 age range in his adolescence somewhere. And Samuel anointed him. Then later he goes to the front and he kills Goliath of Gath. And he kills him with a stone. Remember that? With a slingshot. And because he became famous with that, he gets to go to the court with Saul, King Saul. And then King Saul gets jealous and then King Saul wants to kill him. So he runs off into the wilderness on his own. And this story actually took place during that time. So he has a real enemy to be afraid of. Saul's trying to kill him. So he runs to Gath, where the Philistines are. I'm not sure what he was thinking. He went to the king there. I think it was kind of this, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. So I'll go to the king there and say, well, King Saul doesn't like me either. And maybe he would protect me and help me, give me a place to hide out. And actually, the king was going to kill him. So he pretends he's crazy. And at that time period, if someone was crazy, they felt like kind of the gods had gotten a hold of them and they didn't want to kill him. So they let him go. But this is the situation. He's in. He, he's in the wilderness running for his life. He's got Saul after him. He tries to go get this king in, in the Philistines to help him, and he's going to kill him. And at that point, he's alone. It's before the band of men kind of came around to him to help him out in the desert. So here's what he writes. Be gracious to me, O God, for man tramples on me all day long. An attacker oppresses me. My enemies trample on me all day long, for many attack me proudly. He's afraid. He has reason to be afraid. But what does he do? When I'm afraid, I put my trust in you and God whose word I praise. In God I trust I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? 
So he's gaining hope there. But then he goes back all day long. They injure my cause. All their thoughts are against me for evil. They stir up strife. They lurk. They watch my steps as they have waited for my life. For their crime will they escape in wrath. Cast down the peoples, O God. This part almost sounded to me a little bit more anxiety. The first part, they're coming at me. This one, they're lurking in the shadows. There's this fear that they're still out there and they're still after him. So do you see how he was afraid? And then he spoke trust to himself and then he's afraid again. And then he says, you've kept count of my tossings. Put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? This is, this is kind of a little of a side thing. Is that not the most precious thing you've ever read? If you've been up in the middle of the night because you've been anxious or afraid of something and you toss and you can't sleep, he knows about it. He sees it. And those tears that you cry, whether they're tears of sadness, tears of joy, tears of betrayal, tears of fear, they are so important to him. He bottles them up. And he writes it down. You are not alone in that. Then my enemies will turn back in the day when I call. This I know that God is for me. In God whose word I praise. In the Lord whose word I praise. In God I trust. He's saying it back to himself. I shall not be afraid. What can man do to me? I must perform my vows to you, O God. I will render thank offerings to you. And now we get to past tense. For you have delivered my soul from death, yes, my feet from falling, that I may walk before God in the light of life. He's afraid. He speaks trust to himself. He's afraid. He speaks again to himself that he can trust God. And in the end here, he remembers, you have delivered me so I can project hope into my future. We're going to sit on this one verse when I'm afraid. I put my trust in you and God whose word I praise. This is a precious verse to me. I don't know if any of you remember Steve Green. He was a Christian singer back in the 80s, maybe early 90s. Yeah, very old school. A lot of you are looking at me like, eh. Um, he was pretty famous at the time, but he had a children's chorus for this verse um, that I would sing with my kids when they were scared. When I am afraid, I will trust in you. I will trust in you. I will trust in you. When I am afraid, I will trust in you, my God, whose word I praise. And one time when Kelsey was in first grade, she was attacked by a dog. We had done the right thing. We had gone to the owner. We asked, can we see your dog? She was curious about what kind it was. It was a Chesapeake Bay Retriever. And for some reason, he was on a leash. He lunged at her and bit her face. She fell back against the fence. So we swooped her up. There's blood everywhere. Steve drives us to the emergency room, and in the back seat, the song comes, and I'm singing. She was in shock. She didn't cry, scream, nothing. Eyes closed. She just laid there. And um, I sang this chorus to her over and over and over. For her, but probably even more so for me. And we got there, and um, a plastic surgeon had happened to be called in already, came in. He had a little girl himself and looked at her. He said, I can take care of it. He stitched her up. Her nose had been sliced completely there. She had staples in her head and a bruise here, but you can't even tell now. She, she's 26, but you can't even see the scar the way he stitched it up. But this verse is precious to me, and it came back to me when I read this psalm that it is still true. It is still true. 
So we're going to look at this first phrase, when I'm afraid. I think oftentimes we try to stuff our fear down. We react to it like we would that bear. It either paralyzes us and we freeze, or we want to run from it and we disappear into our addiction of choice, whether it's our phone, games, Instagram, drinking, Netflix, parties, people, whatever, whatever your addiction of choice is, we want to disappear into that and ignore it. Or we want to fight it. And sometimes our fighting looks like, I'm going to do this, I can do this, it's all in my strength, and my flesh, I can fight this fear, it's not going to get me down, I can get this fear. Or sometimes we take verses and we throw them up against that. I'm going to throw this verse at you and hope one of them sticks and one of them brings that peace I want right now. Hopefully one of them has the magical words that will make this fear go away. But I think we have to first stop and say, I'm scared. I'm anxious. Sit with it. You need to acknowledge it to yourself. And you need to acknowledge it to God. Can I just say something? Fear is not a sin. I, Steve and I were laughing. We've heard so many sermons on how worry is a sin. Fear and anxiety are not sins. They, it's an emotion. And it is not something we need to hide from ourselves or hide from God. It is not something we need to be ashamed of. We need to sit with it for a minute and go, okay, what am I really afraid of here? Because sometimes the immediate fear that you think is a fear is just a symptom of a deeper fear. I'm afraid I'll be left alone. I'm afraid God won't come through this time. I'm afraid of the evil's going to win. I'm afraid of the unknown. And sit with that for a minute and figure out what am I really afraid of. And acknowledge it to yourself. Acknowledge it to God. And I would encourage you to acknowledge it in community. Sometimes saying it out loud takes the power out of it. But choose wisely. Choose who you can trust with this. It's not something we need to run around and tell everybody. And the lady in the grocery line, I'm so scared right now. We don't need to tell everybody. Choose who you tell. And allow them to sit and ask them, what do you think I'm really afraid of? Do you think there's something underneath here? And if you're the person on the receiving end of this, if somebody comes to you and says, I'm so scared of, I can't pay my bills. I'm so scared of this diagnosis. I'm, so, I'm just scared all the time of everything. Be gracious and kind to them. Don't start throwing verses at them immediately. Don't start trying to fix it immediately. Sit with them. Acknowledge it with them. So when I'm afraid, when I can acknowledge it, when I can figure out, what am I really afraid of? I'm going to put my trust in the Lord. You see, it's a partnership. I think sometimes we're like, I'm scared. Infuse me with peace. It doesn't work that way. It's I'm scared, and my job, I'm going to put my trust in you. You see, trust is the gateway to peace. It's something we walk through to get peace in our fear. So what does it look like to trust? Well, the word trust in there is to set one's hope and confidence upon someone. If you trust someone, you're putting your hope and your confidence in them. 
And it also means to throw yourself, to throw one's cares on someone. When I read that, I thought, you know, sometimes I'm like gently like, Lord, I'm so afraid for this thing that my grandson's going through. Here he is. I put my trust in you. And sometimes I'm wrenching it from my dead clothes, like dead grip, right? Cold, dead hands, and I'm wrenching it. Come on, come on. We gotta, we gotta give it to him. And sometimes I'm just flailing it at him. God, this is yours. I can't deal with this anymore. You know what? He can handle all of it. So we throw, we put our trust in him. And Steve was telling me this story about... Our He has a client who was in special ops in the city. And he said, when we go into a dangerous situation, if we're going into a house to arrest someone, or when we go in, there's three people that go in usually together. And what you do is you have your gun, one person this way, one person this way, one person this way. Kind of Charlie's Angels. Anyway. (laughs) So if I'm the person going this way, I am focused on that. And I am not to look this to the right or to the left because I trust that this guy's got his side, this guy's got his side, and I'm going to focus directly on what's mine. So when I put my trust in God, I am saying, okay, my job with this diagnosis is to go to the doctor, to walk through the medicine, to walk through whatever, but I'm going to trust God with all the unknowns, and all the fears, and I'm not going to start looking right or left. I'm going to focus on what he's given, what is mine to do. We're going to look at another way to think about it. This is in Jeremiah. He said, blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. They are like trees planted along a riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried about by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green, and they never stop producing fruit. So blessed are those who put their hope and confidence, their trust in the Lord, because he plants them by the water source. That word plant actually means transplant. So it's as if he, when we put it in his hands, as if he takes us and he plants us near a water source, and our roots start to go deep into that dirt. And start seeking out the water. And so when the fearful things come, when the drought comes, when the heat comes, that tree doesn't have to be afraid. It doesn't have to sit in its fear. It doesn't have to be paralyzed by its fear. Because it can go into the dirt and receive all the minerals and nutrients in the dirt. If you read about trees and what's in the dirt, it's crazy how much is in there, all the nutrients. I just read an article that a doctor has studied that um, they are finding in dirt fats, not sure how that works, but fats in the dirt that they are using in medicine to help people with anxiety. Because there's something in the dirt, as we get our hands in the dirt, there's microbes in there that are healthy for us to be exposed to. So as our roots go down in and we're exposed to the nutrients in there and the microbes and even the fungi that's down there that communicates with other trees, we become rooted and grounded in his love and in his word. And our roots can go seeking out the water, which I think is metaphor for the spirit. 
So that when we're afraid and we put our trust in him, he can transplant us into this place where we can be rooted and grounded in him and his love. And we can seek out his spirit. And even when the heat comes and the drought comes and the scary things come, we can produce fruit in every season. Then the fruit of peace starts to come and be produced in our season. But what are we putting our roots into? His word. It says, in God whose word I praise. We can now remember, remember that gift we have to remember and project. We can remember what it says is in his word, and we can put our hope and confidence and project into the future what that may look like, what our hope is, where are we headed, what did God say would happen. So what does God say? Well, first, I want to think about our thoughts. So too often, and this is from Lisa Turkhurst, too often our thoughts of what's going on, I'm scared, this is scary, produce ideas that then produce our theology. So I'm in a scary situation. I don't know what's going on. So therefore, God is distant. I don't feel him. He's not here with me. Therefore, my theology is God is a distant God. Well, that, that is not being rooted and grounded. What is, is as we put our roots deep into the word, our thoughts or our theology can then determine our ideas, which then determines our thoughts. So when I'm afraid and I put my trust in God and he roots me in his word, I can say, okay, all these scary thoughts, that's not true. Those are lies. So what is the truth in his word? What has he said? Those determine my ideas, which then can determine my thoughts about the fear, about the scary situation. So what does his word say? That he is with us. We are not alone in this. He told um, when Joshua was going to take over for Moses, he was terrified. Moses was this huge, amazing leader. He's still an, he's still an archetype for leadership, and Joshua's going to take over. And God says, don't be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid or terrified because of them, for the Lord God goes with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. That's repeated in Hebrews in the New Testament for us. He is with you. He is for us. In the Psalms, again, in my distress, I prayed to the Lord, and the Lord answered me and set me free. The Lord is for me, so I will have no fear. What can mere people do to me? Yes, the Lord is for me. He will help me. I will look in triumph at those who hate me. He is with us, he is for us, and he is in us. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, and just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living in you. So you've not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's Spirit when he adopted you as his own children. God is with us, God is for us, God is in us. So when we sit with that fear, when I'm afraid, and I put my trust in him, and I get rooted in the word, I can then say, he's with me. 
He is for me. He is in me. His word is alive and active, and it creates what it speaks. Hebrews tells us it's alive and active. We are not looking at scripture as a cadaver and doing an autopsy to figure out what happened. It's not a dead book. It is alive and it is active. And when we access that, we we take that word and we say, this is for me. And, And the spirit highlights it. Have you ever read a scripture, one that you know, you've read it over and over and over, and then suddenly you read it and tears spring to your eyes and like, that one's for me. It is. It's alive and it's active. And he creates what he speaks. Just as he did in creation, he hovered over the chaos And he spoke things into existence. His word is creative. And as you speak it, and his spirit speaks it over you and through you to your situation, it begins to change the atmosphere around you. That word praise. So in God whose word I praise. So as God speaks that word to me, You don't have to be afraid. I'm with you. I am for you. I am in you. I've made a way where there is no way. I forgive all your sins and I heal all your diseases. I I have died on the cross and that same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead is living in you and through you. I have not given you a spirit of fear. I've given you a spirit of power and a sound mind. They overcame him by the word of their testimony and the blood of the lamb. And as you speak those words, praise should rise up inside of you. And this word for praise is not just a, thank you, God. And I know there's times where you can only get out a whisper, but this kind of praise means to shine, to boast, to be clamorously foolish. So do you see the cycle that we go through when I'm afraid? Acknowledge it. I'm afraid. This is a scary situation. And fear, I super appreciate you letting me know that this is a big deal. But you need to sit back here because I'm going to put my trust in God. I may be throwing it at him or giving it to him, but I'm going to put my trust in God. And he's going to root me in his word. And my roots are going to go out into the spirit. And I'm going to bear fruit. And I'm going to praise loudly. Because I don't have to fear anymore. But you know what? Like David, you know how you went back and forth? Fear is going to come again. It's going to come back at you. It's part of being human and living in a world that isn't as it should be yet. I say, okay, I'm afraid. What am I afraid about? Okay, thanks, fear. Sit back there. I'm going to put my trust in God. And he's going to root me and ground me in his love and in his word. And I'm going to praise him. Oh, fear, you're back? Okay. And we go through this cycle as humans. But I think and I'm hoping and I'm growing in the fact I get there a little faster. I don't sit in the fear as long. And I don't even struggle as much to give it to him. And the words and the creativity of it and the, and the praise that wells up comes a little faster. I want to end with this Psalm 23. You know, it's the one that talks about how he's our shepherd. But I want you to see this cycle here too. That even when we walk through this valley, 
of darkness. And it, we're going to walk through valleys of darkness. We don't have to fear evil because he's with us. His rod and his staff comforted His rod, that was a thing of protection that fought off animals. And his staff that rescues us and keeps us back on track. They comfort me. In the middle of this journey through the valley where he's with me, he's prepared a table or a banquet or a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. This is not a, I'm along this way, and God's like, oh yeah, we need to eat. Let's head to Chick-fil-A through the drive-thru. This is a prepared feast for us. There is an intimacy in the valley. There is an intimacy and a, and a presence and a conversation that can happen as you walk through these valleys that can't happen other places. He's prepared that for you. In the presence of your enemies, he anoints my head with oil. He fills me with his spirit. He blesses me. He heals me. And my cup, wait, I'm still in the valley, but my cup is running over. And then I can remember that and I can project in the future, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That should cause us a shout of praise to be clamorously foolish because we have hope and confidence in one who deeply loves us. So ask me, what do you fear? What popped up? What bubbled up in your mind as I was talking about fear? We all have them. Have you thrown it on God? Have you said, I can't do this anymore. It's yours. Have you done that before and realized you got to do it again? And then what does he create? What is his word creating in you as you're going through this? What is he speaking to you? He is hovering over the chaos of your life. He's hovering over the chaos of this relationship. He's hovering over the chaos of this illness. He's hovering over the chaos of this relationship. And he's speaking life into it. What is he creating in this situation? What is he creating in you? As the worship team comes up, let's stand And I want you to close your eyes and I want you to think, what is this? What am I afraid of? Let yourself feel that for a second. And then I want you to take that, that thing that you're afraid of, that, the thing that feels like it's too much, and I want you to put it in his hands and I want you to trust him with it. And I want you to remember he is with you. He is for you. He is in you. And I want you to ask him to speak a word over it to you to create life in that situation so that then you can bear the fruit of peace. Father, I just pray over your dear people that you love that we might learn to quickly take our fear, 
to you and sit with it with you and let you speak to us about what we're really afraid of, what lies we are about it, we are believing. And that you would hover over that chaos and speak life into them. That you create new things, create new hope, and that you would give them the ability to remember what you've done, to remember what you've said, and project that hope and confidence in the future. Because you're with us, you're for us, and you're in us. So we loudly praise you for that, Lord. In Jesus' name.